بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد ونسلی علی رسول الکریم اما آباد الحمد للہ چنائٹ از دا آف جنوری ان دا ایئر الحمد للہ ویو کمپلیٹڈ دا ففتھ ویک نائٹ that we're going through the illustrious and dear life of the Blessed Companion, Sayyidina Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu. And I spent a few sessions in which we've been taking a glimpse into his love and devotion to the glorious deed of Salah. So in report, in Imam Ahmad in his Musnad, Al-Haytami in Majma Az-Zawaid, Volume 2, page 68, states Sahih. Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 4, page 602-3 of the New English Translation. Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, rahmatullahi, when he was governor, he once asked Sayyidina Anas, why do you not offer the salat behind me? Anas replied, I have seen Rasulullah perform salat. Thus I shall perform salat with you only when your salah is consistent with Rasulullah Salat However, when your salah differs from Rasulullah then I shall perform salat myself and return to my family. So let's look at this. So this is a Sahih Hadith in Imam Ahmad in his Musnad. So how old was Anas at the time? He was about 97. So Umar bin Abdul Aziz, <coughs> he famously went on to become the Amir al-Mu'mineen. And this was not when he was the Amir al-Mu'mineen. This is when he was the governor of Al-Madinah. So he noticed that the aged and noble companion Anas wouldn't offer Salat behind him. So he queried, he goes, why don't you offer Salat behind me? And it was simply due to the fact he wasn't praying like the Prophet. He when you pray like the Prophet, I will pray behind you. So, it is related that Umar bin Abdul Aziz, rahmatullahi, as his tenure as the governor of Al-Madinah, this was around 87 AH, he would delay in offering the congregational prayer. Thus, Anas' response above. So, in some narratives in history, it mentions he wasn't offering the congregational prayer, but later than the praiseworthy time. So he was the imam because he was the governor. But there's a like a start time, a praiseworthy time and a delayed time. And he was delaying it. So Anas, this was the response. He goes, I don't understand why you're delaying. It is also related identically years earlier that Sayyidina Abu Ayyub al-Ansari had for the same reason refused to offer Salat behind Marwan ibn al-Haqq where he was the governor of Al-Madin. This is in Tabarani, Al-Haytami in Majma Az-Zawaid, volume 2, page 68, states Sahih, Hayat Al-Sahaba, volume 4, page 603, of the New English Translation. So note, the companions, they were very particular about the congregational prayer, and they did not find any concession for offering the congregational prayer later than its normal time. <laughs> So they would not pray behind the governors, I had to teach them. It is very important to point out 
that when Umar bin Abdul Aziz rahmatullahi took this matter to heart, upon which his salah transcended to that of an extremely high order. Later, Anas said in praise of him, in Nasai, number 1138, Abu Dawud Mishkar in the chapter on Ruku, Ibn Jubair rahmatullahi said, I heard Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu say, after the passing of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa I have never prayed behind anyone after the companions whose salat more closely resembled Rasulullah's than this young man. Meaning Umar bin Abdul Aziz. He reported him as saying, I computed that he uttered 10 tasbih when ruku and 10 when prostrating himself. So look how amazing. First, he wouldn't pray behind him because he's delaying the congregation of prayer. Such a transformation occurred that Anas now praised him. What was his praise? He goes, I haven't seen anybody's salat resemble Rasulullah more than this young man. So he was talking about the same person. So note, he took it to heart what Anas said. And then a narrator said that when he was in Ruku, I calculated that it would take me the time for me to recite Subhan Rabbi Al-Azim 10 times. And when he went into sujood, the same, because it gave me the opportunity of uttering Subhan Rabbi Al-A'la 10 times. So you get an idea of how long he was going into the positions. So if he says Subhan Rabbi Al-Azim 10 times, that's how long he was in Ruku. And the same duration of time he was in sujood. So note, Umar bin Abdul Aziz also benefited from the great Anas ibn Malik radiallahu Umar ibn Abdul Aziz rahmatullahi he became the Khalif in 99 AH. This was just a few short years after Anas had passed away. So a mistake some people make is that they say that Anas was rebuking the Khalif. You understand the mistake? The mistake there is he wasn't the Khalif when he was rebuked. He was the governor of al Madina. And the proof is how could he rebuke the Khalif when he passed away a few years before when he became the Khalif. So note he was preparing and like I mentioned, Umar bin Abdul Aziz was the great-grandson of Umar. So look how touching. He served under his great-grandfather, who was the Khalif, Umar ibn al-Khattab. And he lived on until his great-grandson well, great became the governor of al-Madina. And just missed out on his Khilafat as well. SubhanAllah. Indeed, on his many travels throughout the Islamic world, it would greatly pain the aged and most venerable companion to observe now that even the glorious deed of Salat was now not being performed correctly. For instance, in Sayyid Bukhari, number 530, Al-Bidaya, Imam Zuhri, rahmatullahi, he said, I visited Sayyidina Anas ibn Malik in Damascus and I found him weeping. So I asked, why are you weeping? He replied, I do not now recognize anything of what Rasulullah and his companions used to practice except Salah. And you have now also innovated in this. So now this is very interesting. It clearly mentions he's in Damascus. So what do you notice about Anas? He traveled a lot. You know, he moved from Al-Madina to Basra where he resided. That's in Iraq. And now he mentions he's in Damascus. So why was he in Damascus? Obviously, this was the seat of the Umayyad Khilafat. 
So maybe he was there, you know, for the mission with regards to the Amirul Mu'mineen, but he was weeping. And when the Tabir asked him, what did he say? He goes, everything's changed since the time of the Prophet and the companions except Salah. Because, but even that you're now changing. So let me ask you a question. What would he have thought of us now? <laughs> Not even a question to pause. Imagine. You know, I used to I used to hear that report and I didn't understand it. Where Hassan al-Basri said, I saw a people that if they saw you, they wouldn't know that you were Muslims. Mm. So uh, Hassan al-Basri was a tabi'in. So he was talking about the Sahaba. And he was saying to the Tabba tabi'in, if the Sahaba saw you, they wouldn't even know you're Muslims. They'll only realize by your name and the azan. So when I heard that, I thought, I don't get it. Look at the reports. Everything's changing. Anas, imagine, you know, whose time is it? It's the time of the Tabin. The Tabin are still there because the Sahabas that are alive. Because everything's changed. He goes, but there was one thing I noticed you held on to. That was Salat. But now you've, you're changing this. So why was he weeping? Look at the sincerity. He wasn't weeping over himself. You know, we weep over our own Buddhism problem. You know, it's, oh, you know, what's up, brother? Oh, I've got problems. <laughs> when do you see a person weeping for others? <laughs> and this is sincerity. And he was weeping for the Ummah. He was saying everything has changed. In a similar report, Anas al-Adiyya said, I no longer approve of anything you do, which I used to know during the lifetime of Rasulullah. Other than your saying, La ilaha illallah. You now delay your Asr Salah until the sun sets. Was this the Salat of Rasulullah? This is in Ibn Hiban in his Athiqat 3-4, Hafiz Zahabi in his Seer 3-395, Al-Bidayah 9-94, Hafiz Ash-Shatibi in his Kitab Al-I'tisam, page 14 of the English translation. So this adds a few details. Because the only thing I recognize now is your utterance of La ilaha illallah. So Hassan al-Basli was telling you the truth, obviously. He goes, they won't recognize you. So Anas testified, the only thing I know that you said La ilaha illallah. You didn't change that. <laughs> then he said, and this shows why he got angry. Asad was being offered very late. When the sun was now going, you know, when he goes into the yellow mode. And he goes, was this the salat of the Prophet? He goes, what are you doing? Yes. And not people do do that. They delay the asr for no reason. And there's a you know, dangerous time because the Prophet mentions that the prayer of the monafik is that he waits for the sun just about to set and then he quickly pegs four rakats. <laughs> so what was the Prophet highlighting in the sahih? He's saying that the monafiks pray. The wrong thing that you're not monafik if you're praying salat. But he mentioned the sign of the salat of the monafik. He delays it. And he just quickly gets it out as if he's like, yeah, I've done it. The burden's been unleashed off my back. And which salah was the Prophet referring to? The asr. You know, subhanAllah. Consider also the following. In Sayyid Bukhari, number 623, Mishkat, volume 3, number 432, in the chapter on the congregation and its excellence. Sayyidah Umm Dardah, radiyallahu she said, Abu Dardah, radiyallahu he once entered upon me and he was extremely angry. I asked, Oh my dear husband, why are you so vexed? He replied, By Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, 
I do not recognize anything from the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam except that they offer salat in congregation. So again, note in Sahih Bukhari. So why was this noble companion so angry? He saw people offering salat by themselves. Isn't that common now? <laughs> and he came back, and his wife goes, "Why are you so angry?" He goes, "I don't recognize anything." From the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, except they're praying congregation. Meaning, what's happening? Because they're praying by themselves. In a similar narration, Abu Dardar radiyallahu said, "Were Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam to appear to you now, he would not approve of anything of what he and his companions used to do other than salah." Imam al Ozai he added. Then what should it be if Abu Darda came in our time? Isa ibn Yunus added. Then how would it be if Al Auzai came in our time? It's recorded by Hafiz Zahabi in his Seer two two three five, Hafiz Al Shatibi in his Al Iqtisam page thirteen of the English translation. So let's look at this chain. So Abu Darda he said, if the Prophet was still with us now, he would not approve anything what you're doing. Everything would be strange to the Prophet, except the salat, meaning you know you've managed to cling onto your salat. Imam Al Auzai, look what he said. He added, he's commenting, and he passed away a hundred and fifty-two A.H. He said, "What would be the case then if Abu Darda came in our time? Because if he said that at that time, what about now? Then Isa ibn Yunus who came." After Imam Auzai, he goes, and how would it be if Al Auzai came in our time? <laughs> in other words, what he's saying is, the further out you go, there's nothing left. He goes, Islam is nothing but name. And what did the Prophet Sallallahu say? He said that Islam will nothing will remain of Islam except its name. <laughs> and people think, oh, that's, that's years away. <laughs> go back to the Sahab. You're thinking it was going so quick. Half is it very Hajar Askalani? He commented. Upon the hadith of Bukhari of Abu Darda in Fath al-Bari, he said, "What Sayyidina Abu Darda meant, radhiyallahu, was that the actions of the people had all suffered deterioration and alteration, except for the fact they still gathered for the congregational prayer. But now even this most important matter was being affected." This statement came from Abu Darda radiyallahu at the latter part of his life, towards the end of the Khilafat of Sayyidina Uthman radiyallahu. So, what is our state of affairs today, when that was the view of Abu Darda during the time of the Khilafat Rashidin? So, Hafiz Ibn Hajar Askalani he explained it. He said that everything had been affected except the congregational prayer, but even that was not being affected. That's caused the anger of Abu Darda. And then he said, "This was at the end of Uthman's Khalifat. That was interesting. That's when the fitna erupted. So notice, salat seems to keep things in check. You guard your salat; things are in check. You don't guard it; all hell breaks loose." And then he said, "Ibn Hajar Askalani, that was the state of affairs at that excellent time. In other words, what do you think would be they'd be saying now?" Subhanallah, Imam Ibn Hajar Askalani rahmatullahi passed away 1449 Christian era, 573 or so years ago. 
those he was grieving over the muslims condition at that time hence allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone only knows how he would have described the truly pitiful condition of today's day and age where let alone not attending the congregational prayer the so called muslims have abandoned salat altogether <laughs> to almighty allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is our complaint i think about that you know people always mourning you lost the khilafat and he goes why did you think you lost the khilafat <laughs> and people think some great injustice has been done you know no the bani israel plotted and this that i don't know about that brother <laughs> but i think there was something else that we were looking after <laughs> he goes what's that brother he goes salat <laughs> And then a person doesn't understand that Salat is linked to politics. It's linked to it. If you don't guard your Salat, you're going to lose everything. When Ibn Hajar Asqalani passed away, Khilafat was established. This is 573 years ago. And yet there was deterioration on a grand scale. People were not attending congregational prayer. They were praying. Now, forget about it. That's why they don't even talk about congregational prayer. What do people talk about now? Brother, prayer. You got to pray. And then a person scratching his head, he's thinking, why is he talking about that? Because they're not even praying. So when you actually start talking about congregational prayer, the guy gives you that completely glazed look. Why are you getting so hot under the collar? I'm praying, brother. And he goes, but you're not praying in congregation. And he goes, is that important? And then you go, very important. <laughs> Otherwise, all hell's going to break loose. What did the two sheikhs say? Abu Bakr and Umar. They both said in a hakim and his mustadrak hayat al-sahaba, if you guard your prayer, Allah Ta'ala will protect the ummah of the Prophet. Meaning, if you guard your salah, Allah Ta'ala will look after the ummah of the Prophet People aren't praying. And according to one view, they're not even Muslims now. Because... Imam Ahmad said, those who don't pray, they're not Muslims. So note, this is why it's so important to understand this. And this is why the companions wept. Because they could see it happening because it's already happening. Because, you know, why do you think Anas wept? Why do you think Abu Dardah got so furious? Because you're not offering prayer in congregation. In continuation. And also, just to add, how important is congregation? There's a hadith. And the hadith is in Abu Dawood and it's an authentic hadith. And the meaning of the hadith, the Prophet wasalam, he said that if there are three of you and he mentioned in the wilderness or the jungle for want of a better word and you do not offer prayer in congregation, shaitan will overpower you. So a person goes, what did the Prophet say? He said that if there's three of you You're in the wilderness. Forget about, you know, comfortable at home with all facilities. You're in the wilderness. God knows. Imagine. You're in Sahara Desert. And you offer Salat, not in congregation. So you're praying. Taking the box. Who's going to overpower you? Shaitan. So when Shaitan overpowers you, what's going to happen? You're in deep trouble. What does that tell you about congregational prayer? This is why it's Some of the ulama said it's, it's bordering on the obligation. Right? But why is this important to highlight? Because people don't realize. Look at the Prophet He said both about the Jummah and the congregational prayer. 
He goes, I was going to give orders to burn down the houses of those who refused to attend the congregational prayer. But then he says, I thought of the women and children. <laughs> so think about that. Rahmatillah the mercy to all the relatives. He's going to burn down houses. Whose houses? Muslims. But then he goes, but there's women and children. Why have you provoked the Prophet so much? And he's not saying you're not praying. He's not saying that. He goes, you're not coming to a congregation. And the person goes, these reports indicate it's obligatory. This is why some ulama say that. Other scholars say, no, the obligation is fulfilled. However, shaitan will overpower you. Because the Prophet said it. And where's the proof that the obligation is fulfilled? Famous hadith. The one who offers prayer in the masjid, he gets the reward of offering it 25 or 27 times more than if he was offering it alone. If offering it alone was not accepted, why would the Prophet give that analogy? But note, he didn't intend by that that you pray at home. So note again, so important. And of course, this is for the males, not for the females. And another sign of the hour is people and uh, women want to go to the masjids to pray. And I'm thinking, what is happening here? Men aren't interested. And women who don't need to pray in congregation in the masjid, they want to pray. Everything stops you to Subhanallah. In continuation, it is also most informative that on occasion, when Anas who led the congregation of prayer, he would offer light rakats. When he noticed some people's disapproval, he said, during the time of Rasulullah we used to perform salat in a way which if any of you duplicated it today, you would speak ill of him. I due to his brevity. This is in Ahmad in his Musnad, volume 3, page 158. Al-Haytami in Majma Az-Zawaid, volume 2, page 71, states Sahih. Ayat al-Sahaba, volume 4, page 604 of the New English Translation. So let's look at this. So in this Sahih Hadith in Imam Ahmad's Musnad, Anas would sometimes lead the prayer, meaning he didn't like leading the prayer. This is another illness. Everybody wants to lead the prayer. Go ahead, brother. Enjoy yourself. Right? But the Sahaba didn't. But when he did, he would offer a very light rakat. So this doesn't mean, obviously, it's not our level, but you'd expect being a companion, maybe, you know, longer rakats, but he would offer a light. So people complained. Imagine. Stopping the report. Hang on a minute. Who's complaining? Interesting, isn't it? non sahab complaining about sahab is not an illness as well. You know, what's going on there? If anybody's going to complain, it's the sahab. But anyway, people start complaining. And what did he say? He goes, If you were living during the Prophet's lifetime and you copied his salat, you would still speak ill. Meaning, I'm only doing what the Prophet's doing. In another wording in Sayyid Muslim, Number 1060 in the chapter on Salah, Anas radiyallahu he simply said, Inni la alu an usalliya bikum kama ra'itu Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yusalli bina. Verily I try my best to lead you in Salat as I saw Rasulullah lead us in Salat. I try my best. Mm-hmm. Now think about that. Anas he was the one who phenomenally followed the Prophet in Salat. Abu Huraira goes, he's the most amazing follower of the Prophet in Salat I've seen. When he was leading the Salat, he was doing exactly the same. Because I try my best to lead you in Salat as I saw Rasulullah leaders in Salat. Meaning, don't think I'm doing it just for the sake of it. 
In this, as always, he was following the command of our beloved. Which command? In Nasai 2-23, Abu Dawood number 531, Tirmadhi number 209, Hassan, Ibn Imajah number 714, Ahmad in his Musnad 4-21, Hakim in his Mustadrak 1-199 states Sahih to the criteria of Muslim. Zahibi Sahih, Shaykh al-Bayn Rahmatullah states Sahih in Irwa al-Ghalil number 1492. Our beloved Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he appointed Uthman ibn Abi al-As al-Thaqafi radiyallahu to be the Imam of his people. And he instructed him, وَقْتَدِ بِأَدْعَفِهِمْ وَاتَّخِذْ مُعَذِّلًا لَا يَأْخُذُ عَلَىٰ عَذَانِهِ أَجْرًا Lead the salah according to the weakest of them. And take a mu'adhin who would seek no payment for doing it. So what's happened to this? So the imam is appointed he should straight away look. That's why he looks around. Yeah. And he sees the weakest. He doesn't look for the strongest. So if he sees an elderly gentleman sitting on a chair, his salat should be in accordance with him. If he sees a person, you know, maybe he looks a bit ill. He looks at that person. His salat should be in accordance with him. Forget about that. Right? Now you lead them. 20, 15, 20 minutes late. And the guy's coughing in corner. Kids are crying in bike. He's reading Bakara. And then he goes, Brother, it's Salat, brother. It's Salat. And he goes, Yeah. Which Salat? Who's Salat? And then you say, What did the Prophet tell the Imam? Lead the Salat according to the weakest. Now think about this. People say, Well, in the time of the Prophet, it was still long. Very good, brother. Because their weakest were our strongest. You know, I mean, you've got a great brain cell in your school, right? And he goes, oh, yeah, that's true, right? And he goes, we have to look at the generation we're in. People are weak. But weak doesn't mean here in Iman. It means there's a physical ailment, you know, that you see. So if you see a weak person, Iman doesn't mean, you know, just go, you know, you just look at the person behind. This is a command of the Prophet And then he mentioned, do not make a mu'adhin Somebody who asked for a wage. <laughs> and also, look how tragic. Masjid Al-Aqsa. <laughs> the third holiest masjid. Many moons ago, this is in the uh, middle of the 20th century. Some Muslims went there. And there was hardly any people there. Prank. <laughs> and they heard a beautiful azan. So they thought, mashallah, you know, the azans. And when they made inquiries, he's getting paid for it. <laughs> So one of the Muslims there, he goes, Allah Ta'ala is not going to tolerate this for, you know, much longer. The third holiest masjid, right? A mu'azzin who's getting paid, imagine. People should be dying, queuing up to do the azan there for free. Somebody, you know, you just, what's that telling you about the Muslims? Imagine somebody goes, why do you need somebody to, there's nobody doing azan, we need to give him a wage. And why is there only a few people in this masjid? The masjid of the prophets. You tell me. And now what's happening? People are mourning now, you know, it's, oh, they're in charge. Who's in charge, brother? Right? You didn't give a monkeys about it. So what do you think Allah Ta'ala is going to do? Right? Who's in charge of that land now? You know, you, you, can, you, you know better than me who's in charge of that land. Right? We got those, you know, symbolic soldiers guarding inside. They haven't even got bullets. The Israeli soldiers outside fully loaded. So then you think, what are those guards doing inside? You got 
Like, there you go in it. So who's in charge? You deserve authority. And Lord, it all goes back to Salat. Think about that. You know, it's not magic, you know, some really difficult understanding. Salat is a pillar of our deen. If you guard it, respect it, offer it as you ought to, Allah Ta'ala will help you. And if you find that hard to believe, then, you know, you can go on and on. But there's a verse in Surah Yunus, alayhi salatu wasalam. What does Allah the Almighty and Glorious say about Musa alayhi salatu wasalam? So if I was to ask you, how were the Bani Israel, what condition were they in before Musa alayhi salatu wasalam took them away from the Fir'aun? They were in absolute bondage. They were absolute slaves. Get up when we tell you to get up. Eat when we tell you to eat. Lights out when we tell you lights out. They used to kill their sons one year, spare them another, complete slavery. In that abject state, what did Allah Ta'ala tell Musa Tell your people to offer salat in their houses, make them into masjids. So what did Allah Ta'ala tell Musa They need to pray in congregation. Tell them to take their houses as places of you know worship. Why was Allah the Almighty and Glorious telling him to offer congregational prayer when they were in absolute servitude? Because houses help when they come otherwise. This is the sunnah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then what does Allah Ta'ala say? Glad tidings to the believers. Meaning once you penny drops, you understand, you got to guard your congregational prayer. Because I give you glad tidings. And what happened? As soon as they established the prayer in congregation, very quickly, Allah Ta'ala destroyed the Firon. And they were given authority. So there's the formula in the Quran. Allah Ta'ala has given you the formula. What is the difference now with us? Think about it. We're now in complete servitude. The Kofar enter our lands whenever they feel like it. Can we do anything except for marches and bayans? Let's do another march and burn another American flag. What's that going to do? Right? Million dollar march. What did that do? Did it stop the war? Right? So what? And that's not the problem. The problem is people aren't offering salat in congregation. Allah Ta'ala is telling you. Right? And what's the definition of manless to finish? To do the same thing and expect different results. Right? It's only when you go back, like Imam Malik said, you go back to what the original Muslims did, then you'll be given victory by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So all I mentioned today, again, was Sayyidina Anas and the glorious deed of Salat. And note how much we learn when we go through the lives of the companions of the Prophet and how pertinent their advice is, not just to their immediate generation, but to all Muslims of all times. Are there any questions? Let us سبحان الله بحمده سبحان الله اللهم بحمدك اشهد ان لا اله الا انت استغفرك واتوب اليك واذكر الله من شرك ما سبحان ربك رب العزه عما يصفون سلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والاصل الانسان لفي خسر الذين امنوا وعملوا الصالحات ورواس بالحق ورواس بالصبر صدق الله العظيم